Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32. And if I had to summarize it in my own words, the rejection of God and God's furious anger. That'll fill a church. Oh. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, as we started Romans last week, and we ended with 16 and 17, where Paul is laying the foundation for what this book is going to be about. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, of the, right? It's the power of God unto salvation. Our faith in Jesus Christ, and as we just sung, what Jesus Christ did on the cross, shedding His blood as the atonement for my sin, for your sin. That's salvation. Plain and simple. It really is not complicated. I, you, are born sinners. The wages of sin is death, separation from a holy God. God, in His love, took the initiative, sent Christ to be the sacrifice, the payment for our sin. I mean, it really is that something. Now, how do I acquire that? Faith in what Jesus has done, not works. And Paul, throughout Romans, is going to unpack this more and more, right? So he kind of introduced this. And now as we look at these verses, he switches gears and starts talking about God's anger that will come on mankind because of man's sin. You're like, whoa, we were just, I was getting comfortable with the whole gospel thing and being righteous in Christ. And, and now he switches gears. And you see, you, you really can't appreciate the gospel unless you really understand your position as a depraved human being, right? And now he begins to unpack for us God's judgment that ultimately will come on all of mankind. And this is, again, something that's not popular. Churches, unfortunately, don't like to preach passages like this because it doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> you know? You walk out, man, I wanted a peppy sermon. I wanted something to make me realize that I have it within me to be all I can be. Well... We're just going to preach what God says here. And, and, and we can't run from the whole counsel of God. And there are going to be passages in Scripture that don't make us feel good. There are going to be passages in Scripture that are challenging. There are going to be passages in Scripture that are countercultural. The world says this, God's Word is going to rub up against it. Are we going to skip over those passages? Or are we going to give the whole counsel of God? Well, as for me, I'm going to give the whole counsel of God. Because I have to give an account, not to you, to God. <laughs> Did I say what God said? And every person standing in a pulpit ought to have that conviction. Or they ought to get out of the pulpit. And don't try to just preach to what the people want to hear. So this is a, this is a, a passage that shows the rejection of God and God's furious anger. The rejection of God by mankind. And then God, rightfully so, exacting His justice 
his judgment. Okay? So let's ask God to open up our eyes. Father, as we read your word, we don't want our opinion, what we feel is right. God, we want to hear what you've left for us. So I pray for us here, for those that are watching, that your Holy Spirit will convict us. Show us where our thinking may not be in line with your thinking in regards to these things we'll speak about now. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So, understanding the good news in light of the bad news. Again, as Paul is beginning to unpack the gospel, he's just been explaining that we are reconciled to God through faith in what Jesus did on the cross, and we rejoice in that. Praise God that we're not saved based on your works, as so many other religions teach. It's what you do to be right with God. You can do nothing to be right with God. You only can put faith in what God has done for you so that you might be made right with God. Your works or righteousness can never make you right with a holy God. And so we ended last time, again, with 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. What does the gospel do? Paul said, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, here it is, for in what? For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. How does a man become right with God? It is through the gospel, through what Jesus did. From faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So that's where we ended last week, as Paul gives these pivotal two verses. Now again, he's going to begin to talk about the wrath, the anger of God. The reason the gospel is so crucial. Here's the reason the gospel is so crucial for every person to hear it and to believe it. Verse 18, for the anger of God, would be a better translation, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Wow. You see this shift from the gospel to now God's judgment. The idea here is that man holds down the truth. Man rejects the truth of who God is. Man rejects the idea that there is a God. And so what happens is life begins to display all manner of unrighteousness, which he's going to unpack a little later here in a minute. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Wow. Why? Because I preached? Nope. Because God has shown it to them. Think about that indictment that God says about mankind. Didn't have to go to a church. A missionary didn't have to come to you. What may be known about me, God says, I showed it to you. Now, what specifically is he talking about? He goes on to say, namely, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. How? How? In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is a powerful passage. What is this passage saying? That they would know, that they would understand the fullness and all there is to know about salvation and Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross? No, that, that's not the argument Paul was making. The argument Paul was making is God's judgment is coming upon mankind because First and foremost, what does mankind do? They deny God's eternal power and His divine nature. They deny that there's a God. 
they deny that there is someone outside of themselves to whom they should give an account. They deny that there is a divine sovereign being. This is the indictment God is making. They deny that. They say, no, 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 no. And we're going to see later what they do. They make themselves God. The judgment of God, the anger of God, and this word is wrapped up in this, uh, which means a furious anger of God. See, we don't think about that. Oh, God's a God of love. Yeah, he is. He's also a God of wrath. This furious anger of God is going to come upon man, talking in a very general sense here, and mankind, those who say what? I deny your existence. But yet God says what? And here's why God's going to judge them. Yet God has shown it to them. And it can be clearly perceived through creation. That's just a powerful piece of evidence against mankind. Oftentimes, you know, people, well, I never... I've never gone to church. I, I, no one ever shared with me the gospel. No, right? We have all these excuses that, that, that people will use. Here's a question you can ask them. Do you believe in, that there's a God? Do you believe there's a God? According to this, God says what? Every man knows there's a God. And even when I talk to my atheist friends and I say I do not believe in God, I always follow up by asking, when did you stop believing in God? Because either this is true or what you're saying is true. If you're saying from all of the time that you were born, you never believed in God, then this is a lie. Because God says, no, God has revealed to mankind, God has through creation, that there is an eternal power and there is a divine one that exists. God said, I revealed that to you through my creation. And it's funny because a lot of times when I talk to people who say they're atheists, they come around and say, well, I, I used to believe there was a God. Ah, you did. Well, yeah, but I don't, I don't believe there's a God anymore. But why is it that you start out believing there was a God? Well, you know how it is, Ron. We're all children. We all believe there's a man upstairs. And, yeah, but why are you starting out with that? Why is it that most two, three, four, five-year-old children don't innately start out with this idea that there is no God? I can tell you why. Because God has shown it to them. So because of God giving man evidence of his existence, God can rightfully and justifiably say, I can now judge you. Because what has man done with it? Well, he denies God's existence. Now, before we go on, it's interesting that you and I, we demand justice, right? Don't we? Everybody demands justice. Well, God demands justice too. Oh, we're going to go talking about God and his anger and his wrath. Why is it okay for you and I to demand justice but not for God? It's like a double standard, isn't it? You ever been done wrong to? Anybody ever treat you the wrong way? Ever end up in court? and trying to defend your right because someone either violated your personal property or yourself or whatever the case may be. Like, we demand justice. That makes so much sense. Nobody would criticize you for going after what is justifiably yours, whether it's your property or somebody injured you or someone, right? But what about God? 
Why doesn't God have that right? God demands justice too. It is God's moral laws that have been rejected because God's existence has been rejected. That's the point in those first couple of verses. God's moral laws have been rejected because man says what? That God's existence... Nah, he doesn't exist. Yet God says, but you know I exist. You know I exist. But here's what you do. You reject my knowledge, my truth, so that you might do what? Live out your own moral law. That's the problem with our world today. It's not an issue of there's not enough evidence to show that there's a God, as some philosophers might like to reason, that you can't prove that there's a God. You can't show enough evidence that there's a God. Well, I know the Bible says something totally different. The Bible says just by creation you will know there's a divine power there. Your natural intellect will just say, nah, this didn't just happen. There is something divine, eternal, that can be seen even through creation. Which is so interesting because even when our scientist friends keep looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, they start moving a little closer. A little, there appears to be something messing with the molecules here. <laughs> Something's orchestrating this. Let's call it intelligent design. Okay, just say God. <laughs> There's an innate understanding. But man rejects it. God's existence has been clearly demonstrated through creation. So God says, you know I exist. You know there is a divine entity out there. But here's the problem. If there's a divine entity, a divine power out there, then that means that you are not, what? In control. And that's what we don't like. Right back to the garden. Eve, disobey God. Because God knows the minute you disobey Him, you will become as God. That's the crucial point of all the sin we get involved in. Whatever the sin is, that's just a fruit. It's the heart that says, I want to be my own God. I want to do me. I get to set the rules. And God says, no, no, no. You know I exist, but you suppress the truth of who I am so that you can become God. So look what happens. 21. For although they knew God, there it is. They know God. Why? Because as we just read, God plainly made it real. The reality of his existence through what he made. For although they knew God, here's the problem, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So their reasoning became empty, their reasoning became anti-God, and their foolish hearts were darkened and spiritually it opened up the way for them to get involved in all types of sin and unrighteousness. What does God say the problem with mankind is? They knew God. They know He exists. But they do not honor Him as God. They do not acknowledge Him as God. So then what do you have to do? You have to explain Him away. You have to explain Him away. Or you have to do this. You have to look at all those hypocritical pastors and Christians and look at them as evidence for why God doesn't exist. You have to do it some kind of way, but we've got to get rid of God. Because if I can get rid of God... Even though, even though I know he exists, <laughs> but if I can get rid of him, now we become gods. Now you and I determine what's right. That's what's wrong with mankind today. 
and you see it played out. Our thinking, our reasoning becomes futile, it becomes empty, and our foolish hearts become spiritually darkened. Now notice, as he begins to unpack the result of rejecting God, 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Now think about it. If there is a God who made all of this and you, you deny God's truth, and now you're going to step up to the mic as if you know more than the one who created you. That's foolish. That's foolish. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And here's what they did. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. No doubt referring to idol worship and this pagan worship that was going on in the culture at the time. But, 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 but notice what happens here. So we don't bow the knee to God. No. We exchange it and then we make our own gods and we bow the knee to something we made. How foolish is that? That's exactly what we do. Now we might not be dragging idols around and worship them, worshiping them. But how are we doing that in 2021? We worship ourselves. We worship ourselves. We determine what's right. We determine what's wrong. The culture determines this is what I want to do. And no one can tell me no. Why? Because we've exchanged the glory, the worship, the bowing of the knee to God. And we now worship ourselves. We determine. We determine what it is that is right and what is wrong. And what does God say about that? We become fools. We become fools. Notice, there's a willful rejection of bowing the knee to God. That's why we see what later he's going to give a list of all this depravity that happens. It's a willful rejection of bowing the knee to God. We exchange the truth of who God is and we become the authority. Man's reasoning becomes contrary to God, resulting in spiritual darkness. Sometimes people say, I just can't believe. Pastor Ron, I can't believe what's going on in our world. I mean, everybody's calling what's right wrong and what's wrong right. And I just can't believe it. I, and, and, and I read Romans and I'm like, well, I can. I, mean, I don't understand why you're so shocked by that. I mean, God is telling us that this is what happens. Like, what did we think was going to happen when mankind denies God, suppresses God's truth, tries to put God in a box or try to declare, as some have, that God is dead and step on the podium and then you begin to write the drama of life? What did we think was going to happen? Everything was going to work out? <laughs> well, if everything was going to work out, then perhaps God is dead. Let me tell you why it's not working out. Because God is not dead. There is an absolute moral standard. And when you violate it, all hell breaks loose. Amen. That's why it ain't working out. You, you, you ever have kids do something? I won't give any examples. You know, I don't want to indict anybody here. Like, you know it's not going to work. And they're just like kind of bent on doing it. 
Uh, you might not want to do that, son, because like that wagon, that wheel was already bending, and if you put another bag on there and you're gonna try to roll that down the hill, might not work out. I got this. <laughs> they suppressed the truth. Now you know because you understand the mechanics of a wagon and you understand how much of that little thing can hold because you bought that for them. And it said, do not exceed 25 pounds. They're already up at 75. Like you, you have the knowledge, but they suppress it. I don't want, I want to do what I want to do. And they put the fifth bag on top and now they're going to roll it down. What starts to happen? You knew the first thing was going to happen. The wagon's going to pull them. It's like, oh, dad. And you just sit there eating your popcorn. Now, I'm going to show you how this is going to work out. Because I can't catch you anyway because you're already going too fast. And what happens? The wheel pops off. The wagon stops. They fly over the wagon. They go rolling down the driveway. And you're like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> that, that's that's a, a picture of us. And what happens? We suppress the truth. We do what we want to do. And then guess what controls us? Our decision. The wagon running out of control pulls you down the driveway. Just like your addiction and your sins enslave you. This is the point that Paul is trying to make. Your reasoning, when it's contrary to God, it's going to result in spiritual darkness. I'm going to put it this way. You don't know more than God. There you go. You don't know more than God. God created you. How is it that you know more than Him? Do you see the foolishness of that? But this is what we do. Man decides to bow the knee to what man creates rather than bowing the knee to God, your Creator. Paul's making this argument as to why God's furious anger is going to be poured out in the form of judgment on man. So the fallout. As a result of this, and this is sobering, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. God gave them up. God delivered them to experience the totality of impurity, of sin that they were bent on doing. God says, go. Go. It would almost be like this. We go back to my little analogy. If I'm holding the wagon, you put five bags on and the wagon is falling down. And you're like, Dad, stop. Dad, stop. Get off. Stop. And I go, go ahead. And you grab it like you're going to control it. It destroys you. That's sobering in some way, folks. I hope you catch this. Therefore, God gave them up. So in some way, God is restraining. In some way, God's restraining. God's holding that thing from going down and totally destroying you. But we keep saying, no, get off, stop. And God says, you get everything that comes with it. Go ahead. Can you imagine the God... The sovereign God, the all-powerful God, taking his hands off of your life and letting you have everything that comes with it. See, I don't even think we understand this fully. I don't. But in some way, even with those who don't know God, God is protecting them. God's grace and mercy 
Even those who are thumbing the nose up at God, there is a protection that God has around them. Even while they're rejecting him. But it gets to a point where they're like, I don't want you. And God's like, all right. Taking everything that comes with that. All my protection, everything. And God's out. And he leaves you to your own devices. That's sobering to think about that. God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Why? Why? Not because, oh, because God is, look, God is so mean. No, no. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I love how you throw that little doxology in there. By the way, the creator who is blessed forever. Oh, amen. Okay, let me, let me go back and finish telling you about God's judgment. But he just had to acknowledge God as creator, even though in the text, they're denying God as creator. So no, God is going to give them up because they exchanged the truth about God. And it's interesting that when, when Paul was laying out the rejection of God and the, 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 the darkness, remember, whose hearts are now spiritually darkened, the example he gives of that is interesting. He gives sexual purity or impurity as the example, exhibit A, of what it looks like. So God delivers man over to his desires. Man worships himself, which results in a dishonoring of his body. And here he's talking about sexually, as we're going to see in a minute. Man believes the lie that he is God and therefore can determine his own morality. Now Paul gives us an example of the fallout. For example, here we go. For this reason, here we go. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Gave them up to sexual passions. What do you mean? He explains. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. You see, when you suppress God's knowledge, then you go outside of God's design and you come up with your own design. And here he's giving a tangible example in the context of sex where the depravity of man saying, I don't want you, I'm going to be God, I'm going to determine the natural order of things. He says, you know what that looks like? <coughs> and it's interesting, he starts with women. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. And there he means sexual passion. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. What is he saying? One of the outworkings of suppressing the knowledge of God and you becoming God in the area of sexual purity is homosexuality. There it is in black and white. And with all the controversy today and all the, oh, you better not, you can't, you can't. Listen, what does God say? Nowhere in this passage, as a lot of times it's, 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 it's tried to be explained, but these were relationships that were not committed relationships. These are relationships where the man was not really committed to the man in a loving relationship. Now, that, that, that's not what the text says. Listen, 
You have every right to look at God's word and to read it and to say, I don't want it. I respect you for that. You have no right to say that's not what God said. You have no right to change what he says. If you don't believe what he says, then just reject it. What, what gets me is when people, well, no, that's not what God said. No, no, this is what God said. And notice what he said, that this, this outworking of this impurity for their women exchanged natural relations, refer, referring to the order of creation, referring to the way God created it, how he created it to be in the beginning. One man, one woman. Men, same thing, gave up natural relations with women. This, this is the natural order. Exchanged it and did what? Became passionate for one another. It's interesting that as he gives an example of what moving away from the truth of God does, how it affects every area of our life, even our sexuality. Again, understanding that in the culture, just like in our culture now, I don't think... I think our culture today is catching up to where the Roman culture was when he wrote this. I mean, the Roman culture was, was homosexuality was rampant in the Roman culture. It was the norm. Among, among the Gentiles and the pagans, a lot of the emperors were homosexuals. Read the history. They had male lovers as well as wives. So, so he's writing in this context and looking at what's going on in his time and saying, here's an example of what Suppressing the knowledge of God looks like. And I think our culture today, now we're, we're, we're kind of catching up to where the Roman culture was with its sexuality. God delivers man over to his unnatural sexual passions. That's the point of the passage. He's now burning men towards men, women towards women. Keep the whole context in mind. Where is that coming from? That's coming from how he started the passage because they have done what? Suppressed the truth of God. That, this is now the outworking of that. God's natural design for sexual relations between a man and a woman are exchanged. Suppress his truth in exchange for dishonorable sexual passions between the same sexes. Paul calls it dishonorable. It's not the way God not the way he did. Going against God's design will result in an exchange or penalty of punishment. And God says, and they will receive their due penalty. Listen, guys, again, you and I understand justice. God demands justice too. God demands justice when we, when we kind of ixnay what he says and do what we want to do. If God is really God, at some point, his judgment's going to come around on that. This is the point. Now, let's keep going. Because oftentimes when it comes to homosexuality in our culture, our churches, uh, one, either don't preach that it's a sin because, you know, that, that loses your popularity. Or what they do is they preach against homosexuality as if that's the only sin. <laughs> okay? So both of those are wrong because stay in the passage now. As he gets off of homosexuality as being unnatural, as being a rejection of God's order, 
Notice he begins to mention other sins that I don't hear a lot of preaching about. And since they did not see fit, these same people who have suppressed knowledge of God, they did not see fit to acknowledge God. Here it is again. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Wow. Now he already applied this to sexual immorality. He already applied this to homosexuality. But now he restates it again. But this time he doesn't give us an example of homosexuality. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, not just homosexuality. Look at the list. Evil, covetousness, malice. Wow. Wait, wait. He's putting that on the same, yeah, he's putting it on the same level as what he just talked about in the prior verses. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Listen to the 6 o'clock news and write down how many things you hear fall into these categories. It's all over the place. They are gossips. Oh! Wait a minute, you mean gossips? In the eyesight of God? Is an outworking of suppressing the knowledge of God? Just like homosexuality? Yes. How come we don't hear that preached about? How about slanderers? Haters of God. Insolent. Haughty. Boastful. Being pride. Arrogant. You see, see, we got to be careful we don't go in and just start singling out these particular sins. If we do that, you're missing the point. You're missing the point of the passage. The point of the passage is mankind... When man says there is no God, even though he knows there's a God, and I don't want God's truth, God says he steps back and says, have at it your way, and this is the result. Homosexuality, gossips, all of these things. Paul was not trying to give an exhaustive list. He's merely saying with a depraved mind, with a darkened mind, with your reasoning darkening, I'm going to say it this way. Anything goes. Anything goes. And you will feel justified. Why? Because you're rejecting God's knowledge. Again, this is, this is an indictment. This is the evidence that Paul is laying out as to why, as we started the passage, the anger of God will ultimately be poured out on mankind. You say, man, this is bad news. I know, right? <laughs> but this is couched right in between him starting about the gospel, now bad news, bad news to about chapter 3, and then he's going to switch gears and say, now, can I talk to you about the gospel again? Yeah! Oh, man, give me, the, give me that gospel. Oh, man, because I know I fit in here. I fit in here. He said, well, I'm not the homosexual one. Yeah, but what about the gossip? Yeah, God's wrath is coming at you for that. Do you see what Paul's doing in the letter? He's exposing our sinfulness. And then he's going to turn it back on the gospel. This is why we need salvation. This is why your, 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 your sin is in here somewhere. This is why we need salvation. This is why we need God through Christ to cleanse us and to save us from all unrighteousness, which that's the beauty of the gospel. But without the gospel... This is what God is coming to judge. Foolish, 
faithless, heartless, ruthless. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just saying, this is where your heart's going to go apart from God. I don't care who you are. And God's anger is against this. When we reject God's truth, God delivers us over to follow our truth. <laughs> Quote, unquote. God removes his restraints, and the result is that our wrong thinking, here it is, produces all types of unrighteousness. In other words, things contrary to truth, goodness, wholesomeness, which will ultimately result in a life in opposition to God. That's the point of the passage. Don't miss the whole point of the passage. So many times people run to this passage just when they're talking about homosexuality. And they don't, you're missing the point of the whole passage. Again, sexual sin is part of the result of man rejecting God's truth. But there's all these other things too that can be in your life for rejecting God's truth. We get to play God and all the consequences of that drama. Again, when we say no God, even though we know there's a God, and we write our own drama, you get everything that comes with that. Which ultimately, it is not going to end well. So as we finish up, notice what he says again about these people. Though they know God's righteous decree. These are those who are doing these things now. They know what God says. They know that God is against this. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. Like the one doing these things knows that that's wrong. But look at their attitude. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. How depraved is that? See, Paul is painting the darkness of where our heart will take us apart from God. Not only do you know that God is going to judge that, but you do the same thing. And then you approve when other people do the same thing. Wow, how depraved is that? My mind goes back to an interview I heard a while ago when they were interviewing a guy in a gang. And he was just graphically talking about how he murdered these people with like no remorse. And they were looking at him like, do you have any? No, I don't have any remorse. If you were to get out, because he had like five life sentences, would you do the same thing? He said, absolutely. Now, you know, our society wants to look at that and says, well, he's, you know, he's a psycho whatever. He's, well, really? If there's no God and no real absolute morality, how can you say what he did was wrong? Oh, no, well, that's wrong. Oh, well, that's wrong. But you cheating on your wife is not wrong. See, when you, when you remove God out of the picture, absolute truth, righting wrong, is all on a sliding scale, isn't it? But not only did this guy know, and when they asked him, do you think it was wrong that you killed those people? He said, yeah, you're not supposed to kill people. Like, he knew it. He, he knew. He said, that's why I'm sitting in prison. But yet you would do it again. Yeah. Wow. That's depravity. That's darkness. Here's the thing. And then I'll end with this. Please don't, please don't miss this. 
as I sat there watching them, I'm thinking, this guy is sick. But then the Holy Spirit's like, no, this guy is depraved and dark, and you could go down the same path were it not for God's grace. Oh, snap. You see how easy it is for us to look at the wickedness of the world and say, oh, I'm not like that. No, the point of the passage is apart from God, when you reject God and you become God, your darkness will take you to places you will regret and, 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 and just ultimately say, why in the world did I do this? That's what sin does. That's what sin does. But it all starts with what? What may be known of God is clearly perceived, but they reject it. And you become your own God, and you end up creating your own life. When man rejects God's truth, he not only lives a life contrary to what is right, but also encourages others to do the same, even though he knows God's disapproval of such things. That's the rawness of sin. That's the depravity of where our hearts can go. We rejoice in it, and we even promote it. So let's wrap this up. The gospel message is vital in light of the anger and ultimate judgment of God against all unrighteousness. God's justice will be carried out against all that is wrong, which God determines, not us. <laughs> you don't get to determine. Well, I think, I don't care what you think. You didn't create yourself. Sorry. <laughs> Our forgiveness and right standing with God is secured through faith in what Jesus Christ did. And he'll get back to the gospel around chapter 3. But he's going to keep unpacking the depravity of man apart from God. The good news is only good when you understand the bad news. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, for us, for those that may be watching. God, if they've never put faith in Jesus Christ alone for forgiveness of sin, they might realize that is their greatest need. Their greatest problem is to be reconciled to a holy God. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. God, I pray if there are those that are watching that are caught up in any of these sins, ones that may not even be listed, God, help them to realize forgiveness is through Christ. No person is so far gone for which your grace will not redeem them as they trust in what Jesus Christ has done. Help them not to believe the lies that they've gone too far. That's why it's called grace. It's undeserved. And it's all rooted in what Jesus Christ has done for them. So may they, Father, place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of their sins. God, thank you for your word. I pray that you will work these truths in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. 
So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.